0: the uh, Bloomberg news Bloomberg news Oh Michael Bloomberg <laughs> right so i was listening to their new york station last night and um and what happens is after um listening to it um they were talking well first of all they had correspondents in sydney australia uh they had a correspondent uh in um in tokyo they had one and, and they're, they're talking about the markets opening there because in some places today is yesterday and uh But um, they were talking about those interest rates going up um, from the Federal Reserve in the United States. I think that's going to be announced today. Does that affect, I mean, does that affect anybody? Uh, Let's say somebody who's on retired Social Security, Medicare. Does that affect anybody? Does it trickle down to car rates and
1: mortgage rates? What? Oh, interest rates probably affect every single uh, individual listening. You talking about uh, things that were affecting everyone calling uh, in. I mean, if you you talked to you know Bob Martin uh, last year around this time, maybe a year before, interest rates for thirty-year mortgages were under three percent. Now they're around seven percent. So clearly, that's going to soften the. the uh, a home ownership market. You're going to have higher interest rates for cars. So therefore you can't pay as much for cars. You're going to have higher credit card rates. And on the inverse, um, yeah, what's I, it supposed to do,
0: then, <laughs> if it's going to make everything more expensive?
1: It's, it's certainly going to slow down the economy. So if you think about it, you can get a car loan at 2%, maybe a couple of years ago. And now that same car loan is maybe 5%. Clearly, you can't buy as much car. There's no, no question about it. But it also helps retirees, as you were talking about. If you have a million-dollar portfolio and you're earning 1.5%, that's $15,000. I pay, I don't do a lot of CDs, but I, I, they come across my desk every Every day at UBS. And we're, we're approaching 5% for one year. So if you're a retiree uh, and you have a million dollars, you're now probably getting $50,000 a year versus $15,000 a year. So that's a significant difference. The problem is inflation is running at 8.7%. So your money is still falling behind. But you've you got creditors and you've got lenders. Interest rates are what makes the world go around uh, financially. And also what happens too is higher interest rates in America make the American dollar stronger and more attractive. So therefore, we're going to be collecting dollars. Do you want to be uh, in Swiss francs paying you know 3% per year? Or do you want to be in U.S. dollars getting 5% per year? So interest rates uh, affect things a lot. And the market right now is looking at the Fed Reserve universally. People think they're going to increase the Fed funds rate by three quarters of a percent. The indication or the important part will be what do they say? Are they going to be slowing down? Do they think it's higher enough? And I was thinking about this when I had a mortgage in 1991 through RIMFAC. It was at 8.5%. We're certainly going to get higher interest rates, and therefore there are going to be fewer people who can afford certain houses. So it's how much down, hopefully 20%, how much a month, and therefore uh, 7 8% interest rates are going to crowd uh, things out quite a bit.
0: So, again, the way that a regular person is supposed to think about it, If the Federal Reserve increases interest rates, this supposedly could be good instead of bad because it has to have some kind of a a reverse effect.
1: Well, well, it, it it all depends. It's certainly going to slow down the economy. Again, if you want to buy a new car and, um, you know, you look at some of the manufacturers, they were offering 0% interest rate for 60 months. They're really not doing that much unless the car is so un- undesirable. But now if you're paying 5 or 6%, you, it's certainly going to slow down the economy. I can't, my own personal opinion is how I can't see how they're not going to avoid a slight recession by doing this. And then we always talk about the given for the stock market. If interest rates are high, stocks will die. If interest rates are low, stocks will grow. That's usually for the short term. But in the last 17 periods of uh, rising interest rate cycles, the market's been much higher uh, than than uh, it has you know, six months earlier. That's because there's a reason why they're raising interest rates, which is to slow down the economy. Past performance is no guarantee of future performance. But clearly... When the Fed is raising interest rates, they're doing so to slow down a robust economy.
0: Okay, thank you for uh, for that explanation. And um, your company, uh, UBS, they uh, they send out, uh, I guess, stuff to their clients. Now, um, can you reveal any of the things that uh, the uh, the company says? Uh, because I I know that they have some thoughts on the midterm elections, but uh, is that something you can share with the audience? Because, uh, you know, uh, some people are not ubs clients
1: oh, they're not real clients yeah. don't you wish everybody was <laughs> <laughs> well i do know i don't do business with 99.99 percent of the world but um a plug for ubs we are the world's largest wealth manager we manage around four trillion dollars and there's about three thousand billionaires in the world and more than 50 percent of those people trust ubs uh as their uh, major bank and their uh, wealth manager that's a good testimony it's i i think so yeah. I, I i actually i love it there um, we put out a piece. We have a, a gentleman in Washington who puts out weekly pieces and talks about it's the U.S. Office of Public Policy in UBS. And not all of it is uh, worthy of talking about, but I had sent you this piece earlier. And John Savakul is his name, a uh, great guy. And he talks about the possible outcomes of the midterm elections, which are incredibly important. And um, I read his piece every week. If I don't have time during the week, I make sure I read it on the weekend. And there's, there's not a lot here where he's pushing back and saying something different. But right now, the Democrats hold a 220 to 212 majority in the House of Representatives. And John feels, you know, in his research piece, that... Um, Only 90 seats are considered competitive, but it looks like the Republicans are going to flip at at least 40 seats, and they're going to control the House of Representatives. And I think everyone kind of feels that way, is that the redistricting has played into the Republican hands. Um, There's 188 seats that are solidly Republican, according to him. There's 161 seats that are safely Democratic, but the seats will swing over and— best case scenario for the Democrats is that they'll only lose the House. Right now in the Senate, it's obviously 50-50. Everyone knows that. And Kamala Harris, as the Vice President, breaks any ties according to our U.S. Constitution. And um, John feels that the most likely outcome will be a 51-49 majority for the Republicans. And so there's some, obviously, there's close races in Georgia, in Wisconsin, in Arizona, um, so those remain to be watched, and obviously Pennsylvania with Dr. Oz against Fetterman. Um, I'm watching that one because I'll be very disappointed in the for the people of Pennsylvania if they vote a guy who can't put two words together uh, in Congress. Maybe maybe he'll fit right in. Who knows? <laughs> um, and then John continues to talk about the polling and how inaccurate it is. It's like democracy, the worst form of government except all others, and how people are not being. Uh, candid when they're asked, and then he talks about election night, what will happen. And I think the most important thing that we'll pick out of the next Tuesday's election in terms of results is that Georgia requires a runoff if somebody doesn't get 50 percent of the vote. So we may not know until January uh, who is going to be the uh, junior senator at Georgia. Right now it's Walnock versus Herschel Walker. I know if I was in the great state of Georgia, I'd be voting for Herschel Walker. Um, so that might uh, hang in the balance. So we may not know until months later who's actually going to control the Senate. And hopefully that's not the case. But um, I think uh, the Senate president, uh, Chuck Schumer, got caught in a hot mic and talked to, was talking to the president and said we're, we're kind of screwed in November. And I think the best case scenario would be um, only losing the House. Nobody that I know feels like the Democrats are going to hang on to the House and then – We're always paying attention very closely to Alan Fung and Magaziner, and it looks like Fung uh, will take that. And if he does take it, it'll be a good thing for Rhode Island because we'll have uh, a Republican uh, in the majority.
0: All right. Well, that uh, is a a good rundown of what might happen next Tuesday. And uh, before we take our break, if the Republicans grab the Senate, And the Republicans grabbed the uh, majority in the House. And we are getting ready to experience high energy bills in the winter. Do they have enough time to open pipelines or do something, that is the Republicans, to outsmart the president? Because he's certainly not too bright.
1: That's That's a fantastic question. Oil and natural gas, they're commodities. Wherever you get them, they're basically the same. Our oil might be cleaner in the United States than overseas, but it's a commodity. And in short order, if the markets believe that the Republicans now in control are going to do something about lower lowering energy prices and do it in a concrete way other than playing around with the strategic uh, petroleum reserve then i think they the market will naturally go down because it's an anticipatory market they're anticipating you know where the rates are going to be what the spot market is i don't want to get into all the complexities but i think just the thought that the republicans are going to do something uh to re, you know Bring back American energy independence. I think by itself is going to have an indication. Just like it's the opposite of OPEC, they decide that they're going to make two million uh, barrel per day cuts, and everyone knows they always cheat. They'll say, "Okay, I'll take you know five hundred thousand of that cut," and they'll only do two hundred thousand. But the perception that they're going in a certain direction is enough to rise, uh, raise the oil prices.
0: So that question came from the basis that. It only took Joe Biden 90 days to screw up the country with his policy. So uh, I was thinking maybe it would take only 90 days for the Republicans to reverse it. But it might take a little bit longer, right, because it's not quite as uh, – well, it's harder to fix something once it's broken than it is before. Uh, That was my bright comment of the day.
1: Well, and think about the (laughs) ramifications of, um, of the Supreme Court. If the Republicans take the United States Senate, they can block any candidate. And if you listen to some of the dialogue um, between uh, the, the justices regarding this uh, case of uh, discrimination of uh, Harvard vs. Asia, uh, Sotomayor doesn't even know the most basic tenets of law that a first-year law student should know. Um, living with an attorney who's very successful and very knowledgeable, having her like bring that to... Somebody like myself who's not a lawyer, understand that it's just it 's just incredible, and she obviously is an affirmative action person to get on the on the uh, the supreme court she actually doesn 't know anything, and uh, the other justices had to correct her so that's that 's a little scary stuff, but I think right now with the republicans having or the conservatives having control of the uh, of the Supreme Court, if the fact that the republicans take over the um, uh, the Senate, they, they certainly can block anybody who uh, may be replacing uh, an outgoing justice.
0: Small. All right. We're going to take uh, some, a small break here. And then we'll be right back. We'll grab a call. Hello,
2: OneSocket. I am Michelle Stabor, and I'm running for One School Committee. I am not better than any other candidate in this race, but I would be a fresh set of eyes on the committee if elected. My vision is for education that focuses on the basics, fosters parental involvement, and focuses on building students with character. If you share this vision, then vote Michelle Stabor for One School Committee. Paid for by friends of Michelle Stabor.
3: This is Ben Shatra, a new voice running for City Council. I am asking for your vote on Election Day, and I pledge to be a councilman who brings respect and new ideas to the City of Woonsocket. I am also asking you to reject Question 4. This question will give total control to the City Council in appointing the City Solicitor with no approval by the Mayor. We cannot allow this power grab, which brings more instability and friction to our community. Thank you for your consideration. Once again, this is Ben Chatra, a new voice running for City Council.
2: Paid for by friends of Lisa Baldelli-Hunt. I'm Chaz Kalinda, running to be the next Rhode Island Attorney General. I've practiced law for the past 16 years and 12 of them as a prosecutor in the Attorney General's office, so I know what it takes. The Attorney General is the people's attorney and should always advocate for the rights of the people of the state, not for any political party or special interest. I'm not running to push a political agenda. I want to enforce our laws and the Constitution above all else. My values always represent my clients, and my clients as attorney general will be you, the people of Rhode Island. The attorney general can do so much good with the right person in office, and I want to use this position to benefit all Rhode Islanders, not just those who agree with my politics. I want to be your voice to bring the power back to the people. So I need your support. You can visit my website at chas4ag.com. That's chas, the number 4ag.com, to donate. And then vote Charles Kalenda for Attorney General on November 8th. Paid for by friends of Charles Kalenda.
4: Are you ready for political change? This is Alan Waters, Republican candidate for Congress to replace David Cicilline. Born and raised in Providence. Fourth generation Rhode Islander. I'm concerned about our state and nation, high inflation, poor education, illegal immigration, child sexuality initiation, racial disintegration, our $30 trillion indebted nation. We need new leadership. If you believe in God, family, and country, join me and donate at waters.com Paid for by the Waters Committee.
5: Donald G. Burke present vice chair of the Winsocket school committee asked for your vote again in the upcoming election having served now for seven years burke again is asking for voters to return him to the school committee for another two-year term as an educator of 45 years burke understands well the bigger picture of education and the great need to create policies and programs which focus on enhancing the education of our children in socket As chair of the Health and Wellness Subcommittee and Technology Subcommittee and member of the Policy Subcommittee, Burke leads with compassion and listens with an open mind. Since the school committee race is contested this year, Donald Burke needs your vote even more to continue serving the educational community of the city and most importantly, advocating for the students of the OneSocket. Woon- socket education program. Always a voice of care and a voice of reason with a voice of educational experience. Donald G. Burke, humbly asking again for your vote so he can continue giving the voice to the important needs of our students as a member of the Socket School Committee. Paid for by
4: the campaign for Donald G. Burke.
5: You're listening to WNRI's Upfront, a radio internet talk show.
1: Now, let's get back to the panel. How
0: you doing, Mr. Christopher
1: Boulay? I'm doing terrific.
0: Thank you for joining us today. Chris will not be with us tomorrow, his usual day, so that's why he's in studio with us today. And so that's why we're tapping his, uh, his knowledge on some stuff. We're going to get some calls in a moment, but... But what about those stock market numbers? Uh, I I just don't know how to interpret them. That's why why sometimes I look to you to give us a little direction.
1: Well, sometimes the stock market is more like golf. The closer you are, the more you think you understand, the less you understand. But one of the things that I was highlighting the last couple of weeks is that you don't know what the stock market's going to do, but I sent you a chart maybe three weeks ago saying that in the last 20 years, the S&P 500 has averaged about 10% a year. And if you take a look at that, and for that 20 years period, if you missed the top um, 20 days of the stock market, the, the best days, you, you, your returns would be about in half. And nothing... Highlights that more than recently in the market. In September, the uh, Dow Jones Industrial Average, as opposed to the S&P, went down almost 10%, 9.3%, a terrible month. And then in October, it went up 14%, the the best month since 1976. So think about that. You're down almost 10% one month, up 14% the the next month. And what it shows is when you have these really, really bad days, you tend to have the very, very good days next to it. So pulling out and getting out of the market sometimes feels better, but it's the wrong thing to do and you can't get those days back. So it's important to really talk to your financial advisor and he and she can guide you. If it's long-term money, Then You probably want to be careful about timing it. Um, If it's money that you need in the near future, maybe it shouldn't be in the market. And those discussions you should have with your advisor. But just quickly, 10% down one month, 14% up the next month. Very volatile. And um, pulling out at the wrong time can really be problematic for your long-term success. All right.
0: Thank you. And I think I've heard that advice before. Just uh, stay cool. Let's take a call. This is the Upfront Program on WNRI. We have Christopher Boulay in studio with us, along with me, and our caller. So what do you want to talk about today, caller?
6: Good morning, gentlemen. I want to talk about uh, a couple things. But the first thing I'm just going to say is rather than referring to the stock market as a golf game, I think it would be good to uh, compare it to a smart woman. (laughs) You never know what she's going to do. So the thing is, this is kind of just a short quiz for Roger. Um, On Monday, your brother was replaying uh, a clip from McKee that he was boasting about everything wonderful he's done for our state. It was amazing to hear. And so I called in and mentioned to Dick this quote that popped out of my head. I didn't even know it was a famous quote, but it's... uh, A a legend, I said he's a legend in his own mind. And so this week I was speaking to a friend, and that friend said that it was a quote from someone that you think very highly of. Do you know who it is?
0: No, I have no idea.
6: It's Clint Eastwood from Sudden Impact, a legend in his own mind. Oh, yes.
0: I knew it must have been a great source.
6: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I, I didn't intentionally even bring it to mind, but I thought, like, well, that's great. Roger will like this. So have a great day. and
0: <laughs> both Thank, you. And Thank vote, you.
6: Vote often and early. <laughs> uh,
0: I know the feeling. Bye. Great. Bye. Often and early, she says. And um, sometimes I think that's possible <laughs> to <laughs> do that. Uh, it shouldn't be possible, but uh, uh, it just shows the change in, in attitude of one person. Ten years ago, somebody says, Roger, what do you think of the uh, credibility of the American election system on a scale of 1 to 10? I'd say a 10. Wouldn't even think about it. Ten years later, 2022, Roger, what do you think about the credibility of the American election system on a scale of 1 to 10 for? Even though there's some nice people like here in Woonsocket, nice guy runs the Board of Elections, and that's nice. He's nice. Do I have... Do I have f- good feeling about the election system? No. Is it justified? Maybe not. But that's the way I feel.
1: Chris? Well, I guess it depends. Uh, if if the, you lose and you're a Democrat, liberal in 2016, you can question the election. If you're Stacey Abrams in uh, Georgia and you lose the governorship and you can claim that you're still the, the rightful governor, but you can say that the 2020 was the most secure election ever, but... As, as the Democrats say, what they say 2024, they're very concerned that there's going to be fraud because they might lose power. So it's very, very difficult. But I just go back and it never ceases to amaze me at least once a week. I think about how wonderful our Constitution is and how inspired these people were and having um, – Uh, Having the elections independent in each state and having them decentralized is probably one of the best things in having the state general assembly overseeing the elections hopefully keeps it fair and free and when you think about the democrats wanting to nationalize everything you've got to worry about that they want to nationalize everything they want to nationalize the police so therefore they're pushing crime up it seems Uh, they want to nationalize the election so they can control it and keep power and you only have a uh, an issue of democracy under attack when they're going to lose power so clearly the hypocrisy is there um But then you look, you know, you want to look at our system. But if you look at France, they seem to have no problems finding out within hours who won the election, and they do it by paper ballot. So sometimes technology is not always helpful there, and I agree with what you're saying. But um, it seems that people on the losing side, particularly the liberals, they have a problem with the election results only when they lose.
0: And now we're going to get a comment from Sandra LaFrance, who sends us a comment every time. And so glad you're here because her comment makes me want to ask a question of you, only you could answer it because you're here today. So Sandra, first of all, writes, dear Roger and Chris, I don't have a portfolio and will probably spend every last cent I have in savings due to insane oil, food and gas prices, compliments of Conrad, Joe and company. I'm hoping Tuesday's election will change some of that, but I'm skeptical about Rhode Island voters ready to get rid of the career politicians like Cicilline or Sheldon Whitehouse. Your thoughts, please. Sheldon isn't in the race this time around, but um, but will. But uh, certainly uh, the seat in the second congressional district is is up for grabs. Now here's my question back to you, based on what she says. Um, so Christopher Boulay comes in here once a week, and he works for a company that represents people who have uh, more money than Sandra. Sandra says, "I don't have a portfolio." "Your clients do, right?" "Okay, they, they do. So when these this uh, this winter is going to be dreadful for a lot of people who don't have portfolios. They're not going to be able to pay their oil bill, their gas bill. Uh they're not going to even if they pay their oil bill they might not be able to pay other bills. Now back to you, Chris with your clients does this can this terrible winter coming up have an impact on your clients investments your industry or are these people pretty much out on their own uh, you know on the their ship at sea
1: if if i understand your question correctly um you know, $5 million is not an unlimited amount of money. So, you know, it used to be if you were a millionaire, you were incredibly comfortable. You can be a millionaire today and, and, and still um, have to worry about expenses. So there's only so much money to go around. If I understand your question correctly, we consider the ultra wealthy to be $50 million and above. So, clearly, if we're dealing with any of our billionaire clients, you know, they're not affected directly by this. They're probably ma- making investments uh, to, to, you know, benefit from this. But everyone's got a, you know, a budget that they have to work with. So, if your something comes up and it's crowded out by 50 percent, if your, you know, heating bill goes up by 50 percent, there are other things that maybe you can't do. So, everyone's pretty, pretty much affected, um, Typically, my clients are, are 1 to 10 million. It's not New York City where they got, you know, $500 million. But you can have 1 to 2 million dollars, and you're still affected by a budget of, um, of oil doubling. No, nobody's immune to that. If I, uh, hopefully, I, I got the, your drift.
0: I want to know. Uh, you did. Uh, that was part of the question. And uh, I just want to comment on them. You know, these people with that kind of money, uh, you know, a lot of people are saying, wow, that's a lot of money. But they're only pulling down a certain amount each month because they can't take it all out. I mean, they may have it uh there, but uh, they might only end up with $1700 or 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 whatever uh the financial advisor says is a comfortable amount to withdraw. Yeah. So it's not like uh there's like uh they have $30,000 every month uh, to uh to uh, come into their checking yeah, they, account. Yeah, the okay. other part of the question was in fact does these high oil prices and things does that affect the market in general, or does the market kind of go along uh, anyway um, uh, they're not is they're not concerned about I uh, had a head of lettuce costing six dollars and twenty five cents instead of ninety nine cents once before
1: well if you, if you if you're talking about the stock market, just like anything else, higher energy prices are going to produce winners and losers. British petroleum. Uh, announced i think it was yesterday talk about time difference it was three o 'clock in the morning when they announced it, but they 've had record profits i think about ten billion dollars one quarter so that 's a record for them so they 're going to be a i you know a winner if you talk about federal express or ups well they 've got to pay money to, um, to 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 fly planes and that 's going to be a, an inroad i 'm um, actually going down to Orlando tomorrow and uh t- tonight, today I guess. And uh you know, jet fuel is up uh you know twenty percent. So therefore that has to be passed on. So if you're going on a trip and your flight was gonna be five hundred dollars, now it's a thousand dollars, those are things that people have to balance. But before I forget, I'm gonna touch upon something that you said that was uh very uh key, is that Without any kind of guarantees, like an annuity or anything like that, typically four percent is about the threshold of withdrawal. Mm-hmm. So, if you have a million dollar portfolio, you probably don't want to. Without, except without, you know, other guarantees, you probably don't want to draw more than forty grand a year, or you're, you're on the chance of running out of money. Mm-hmm. Three is better. Four percent is kind of high. Five percent with with certain support is is fine. So, you're right. It's all a proportion of, uh, of what you can withdraw. But, yeah, there are winners and losers. Then we look at some of these pension plans that are saying, well, we don't want to do business with ExxonMobil or British Petroleum or what have you. And you're certainly missing an upswing where oil, instead of being $15 a barrel, is $100 a barrel. It's a commodity. Their, their profits are up.
0: All right. We have a break coming up. at uh, 845 with John Bree, that's a paid segment but we do have a few more minutes Chris to uh, take a, a couple more phone calls and see what people are thinking other than Roger and Chris and Sandra and so forth. So what are you thinking about this morning?
4: Hi. Well, I just want to plug the importance of the fact that we are a federation of separate states mm-hmm. just like you said with the voting system and it also comes out, let's say for an example ESG our federal government and our current um administration would be all in on ESG, but thank God we have 30 separate states where they're actually taking banks to court and saying, you're not going to practice ESG on our state. Mm -hmm. The the only reason we still have freedom and everything in America is because we have 50 independent states, Mm -hmm. and and they support that freedom. There isn't a central government per se to take over. You can't just take over the federal government and take over America because it is 50 different states. So it's not just the voting system. It's everything. And, and thank God we have a republic such as we do where it is more resistant to these attempts at takeover for a better. A- Amen.
1: Absolutely. The founding fathers were so gifted when they when they met in uh, in Philadelphia in July to come up with this. They thought of Pretty much everything. People would say, well, Second Amendment, but obviously there's so many, so much thought they put in there. And keeping these uh, elections independent uh, by the General Assemblies, overseen by the General Assemblies of the states, is the best way to prevent it. And anyone who talks about getting rid of the Electoral College, they've lost my – I would never vote for anyone who thought the Electoral College was a, was a bad idea. Appreciate thank, you. Coming. Thank you so much.
0: Appreciate it. We have time to get another call in here on the Upfront program. We want to know what you're thinking on this Wednesday morning. Hi. Hi. Good morning, man. Good morning. Uh, Chris, how are you? Excellent. The the, uh, windfall uh, energy tax on oil companies uh, that the president's talking about, uh, uh, this is going to be aid for paying bills for uh, low and uh, low-middle-income folks. Uh, does this reek of uh, fascism, where the government controls business?
1: Uh, yes. Um, I, I'm very clear about where, where I stand on that. There were times back when we had the recession in 08, 09, and we had, we were slowed down in, I think, 11 and 12, where it costs as much money to take oil out of the ground as, as they were selling it for. So if you're going to do a windfall profit tax, do you think about supporting them when? there's an issue there's an issue so yes it's 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 ridiculous they're picking winners and losers you know i don't know if it's a perfect analogy but apple computer makes billions of dollars we're going to do a win fall profit tax on them it's it's wrong and and, and because the other side is just really obvious what are you going to do when there's a deep recession very similar to the unrealized gains and losses. They want to tax unrealized gains when an Elon Musk takes $100 billion, turns into $265 billion. But what happens if Tesla's stock goes down and his other wealth goes down and he goes from 265 to $100 Are uh, you going to give him a write-off there? They haven't thought this through. It's all populist stuff. And you're right. It, it, it just, I don't know if I use fascism, but certainly it's socialism and it, it's wrong, in my opinion.
0: Yeah. Well, the more I look at it, Chris, fascism and communism, they're both the same animal. the more I look at it
1: uh, they're certainly the enemies price. of democracy. There's no question about that for sure for sure chris. uh diesel prices, Chris, are they going up uh, in certain parts of the country
5: or all over the country
1: well i i are you asking for prediction or, or what's happened? They're actually you know getting getting high again. I think we're at a fourteen year nadir in terms of uh, diesel inventory so clearly that that's a problem the flights are getting higher because jet fuel is getting more and more expensive and going back to Roger's point earlier um, the, the only thing that's really going to stop this is is Republicans taking over the house and pushing it back um, and then it makes, you, it makes you wonder. You and I have had these conversations. Is it stupid politics or is it intentional? And then now we have electricity going up you know, a tremendous amount. So they're going to force us to have electric cars, try to charge them at night. And then electricity becomes more expensive than fossil fuels. On and on and on. It's, it's funny. Um, I had a, uh, a uh, individual come to my house uh, pushing Seth Magaziner the other day. And the person... Uh, wouldn't take no for an answer. I said, I, I know Seth. I, I know Fung. I'm voting for Fung. And I told her why. And and she said, well, Fung is all sp- sponsored by fossil fuel companies. And I said, that is not going to be an argument that holds any weight with me. <laughs> I'm voting for Fung. And she did not want to leave. So uh, everyone thinks that fossil fuel is the enemy. And certainly um, it is incredibly important for the uh, security and safety and it's economic well it's our savior <laughs> right. yeah and yeah so yeah. um it's its yeah it's it's yeah absolutely thank Th- you. thanks again for the call. Appreciate we always appreciate it. your calls
0: and thanks again for uh coming in chris and uh helping us on this uh, wednesday the, and um, the, enjoy your little uh sir john
1: thanks do i have forty five seconds yes, you do i just want to quickly acknowledge the c c v s Uh, walgreens walmart uh, made about a 14 billion dollar opioid settlement Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens but i think i'm very skeptical that money is going to get to the people who need it to uh, have treatment we'll see where it all goes but i didn't see the attorney generals and going after the small pharmacies going after the doctors and what have you but we'll talk about that uh, next week when i'm back in
0: yeah i have uh, a few comments myself uh When the lawsuit first started to uh, where we are right now. All right, uh, see you next week, next Thursday, huh? Absolutely. Okay, thank you, Chris, and we'll have plenty to talk about. The elections will be over. Paul Bourget is chairman of the Woonsocket School Committee and is asking for you to vote to reelect him and the current members of the school committee, including Donald Burke, Lynn Kapiscus, Alan LeClear, and Amy Coster. For the past two years, your current school committee has provided experience, leadership, and commitment to our students, their parents, and the school administration. They've listened and acted on school issues such as bullying and mask wearing. And they've approved programs and personnel to address learning loss and social and emotional support. In addition, they've provided a safe and healthy environment for our students. Also, they continue to advocate for the nutritional needs of all students. And currently, they're planning for the building and rehabilitation of our schools. Kindly know that this school committee will make sure that our students receive the best education possible. So please cast your vote for Donald Burke, Lynn Kapiskus, Alan LeClaire, Amy Coster, and Paul Bourget. Paid for by the campaign for Paul Bourget. It might be a good time for a new walkway. Fix up those stairs, create a patio, or improve your driveway, or maybe do some basement floor and walls. We are Liberty's Concrete right here in Northern Rhode Island. We're insured, we give free estimates, and we even have Bobcat services available. For more information, call George at Liberty's Concrete to do the work for you. And of course, we use stamped concrete, which means we can create the design you want on your driveway or walkway. Again, our number...
4: 401-390-4976 This is Woonsocket City Councilman John Ward. Contrary to the headlines and rhetoric, the current city council, including Jim Kenoyer, Dan Gendrin, Roger Gillette, and I have worked on several initiatives with the administration, buying new public works equipment, funding street paving, blight removal, tax stabilization to attract new business planning for the best use of federal rescue plan funds, and, at my invitation, the mayor joined with other communities to successfully solicit bids for the LED streetlights currently being installed. We are working to make Winsocket a better place to live. My experience serving Winsocket and as finance director in Lincoln have prepared me well to continue serving on the Winsocket City Council, and I hope you agree. So whether by mail, or voting early at City Hall, or waiting for November the 8th, please Vote for John Ward to once again serve you on the Woonsocket City Council. Thank you. Paid for Friends of John Ward.
5: You're listening to WNRI's Upfront, a radio internet talk show.
4: Now, let's get back to the panel.
0: Anna, good morning, everybody, and welcome to uh, the final part of the uh, Upfront program. Following time has been purchased by Friends of John Brian. He is in uh, studio today, and as he was uh, mentioning uh, to us uh, as the intro was playing, this will be uh, the final extended. You still have some advertisements uh, scheduled on the uh, radio station, but this will be a final time to talk informally about uh, the um, the upcoming uh, November 8th election. Did you know it's on Tuesday, right? Yes, I did know it was on Tuesday. Thanks, Mr. Bouchard, and thanks for having me, and
3: uh, thanks to the listeners for... Mm -hmm staying tuned i'm sure that everybody at this point is fatigued everyone between the tv ads between all the signs between hearing it on the radio between the uh radio advertisements that you uh are all fatigued at this point and are looking forward to november 8th much like probably ever i don't know a uh a candidate that's not and um so, But we're pushing forward.
0: I don't want to take uh, time away from uh, your general message, but I have a question because I am a uh, voter in District 49. You are. Yeah. And uh, so uh, on the uh, ballot, I'll see uh, Glenn Duceblon and John Breen. Correct. Yeah. Now, Mr. Duceblon sends out mailers regularly. And some of them, I like to read the fine print. Some of them at the bottom say paid for. My friends of Glenn Dusablon, that would mean that those are campaign contributions that he might have gathered on his own, and he may have arranged for this particular mailer to be sent out on his own because he talks about being from this area and so forth and all in friendly terms. Then I get another mailer, um, and it's a little flashier. And at the bottom when I read the print, as a matter of fact, it sounds like they can even send it out without the permission of the, uh, permission of the candidate. And it's paid for by, um, some, uh, some organization that has four letters to it. And, uh, it looks like it's sent out by, um, by a union. I'm not sure. And it looks, and one of the pieces of information I got is completely erroneous about, uh, the, uh, What we call the car tax, which has already gone away. So I was wondering if you could make that distinction. Did you notice that? Uh, I did. Did you get the mail? I did. You're in the district. I did. And I found out
3: stuff, you know, I was reading stuff about me that I was like, wow. So that's my question to begin with. Yeah. Okay. So, yes, uh, unions will send out, when they have a preferred candidate, they will send out mailers. In this case, it's the SEIU, the Service Employees International Union, and they sent out a mailer on behalf of my opponent and, uh, and for him, so obviously uh, that's, a, that's a hook into him, because once you start getting independent expenditure mailers uh, by unions, then you know that their hooks are in you. Um, nothing is free. Just remember that in politics, nothing is free. So, uh, this is a uh, organization, and this is, I think, a really important thing. So, there was a couple. There was AFL CIO, and then that sent one out, and one union, and then the SEIU, which is another union. I received them both on the same day. And that's when you know that this is a, 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 this is when you know a candidate is owned. That's, that's how you know a candidate is owned. then once, once they're sending out those types of mailers for you, you know that um, that candidate is in their pocket. And that's not me speaking out of school. That's just true. I mean, that's how the system works. Um, this is what's interesting, Raj, is that uh, SEIU is an incredibly heavily leftist union. I mean, progressive to the... They make progressives look not progressive enough. It's a very progressive union. So what have I learned during this campaign? I've learned that my opponent is uh, supported by the Working Families Party, which is uh, an actual socialist organization. Um, The SEIU, which is an incredibly far left-leaning union. And reclaim Rhode Island, which is made up of some of the worst progressives in the state of Rhode Island. So I guess the point I'm trying to make here is that I know people during the primary uh, cast a ballot for my opponent because it was against Alex Kithis, because they didn't want his brand of politics. I would just say buyer beware. Um, You're getting someone that, while may not act in the same manner is aligned with a lot of the same political interests, and you really got to be careful. So what does my candidacy offer? Uh, I am not owned by anyone. I am running as an independent. I don't belong to a political party. I've taken no contributions from any special interests. I've got no independent expenditures behind me. Nobody's got their hooks into me. Um, I've largely self-funded my campaign, which I'm happy to do because it's a great place to be knowing that you're running to serve people that your only job will be is to serve them, that you only answer to them, that nobody can claim that they have their hooks into you is a great place to be. It's a different place to be for, um, For someone, because there's so many candidates out there who have bills to pay, political bills to pay. I don't have any political bills to pay. The only thing I will have, uh, the only bill I'll have to pay is to show uh, my appreciation and to show um, humility and appreciation for being voted into office uh, for District 49. And I would be honored and grateful. To have to have that ability to represent the people, and that's really what I what I represent. You know, I, I don't think it's any I don't think it's any secret if you've ever heard my uh, my Friday edition of the Upfront Radio Show uh, during uh, a period when there was no election season that I'm a conservative, and uh, I'm a conservative uh, in, uh, in in fiscal matters. I'm a conservative in social matters. I'm a pro taxpayer individual. I don't believe that government should have intrusion on people. I think that the best form of government is that kind of government that has as little involvement with your day-to-day life as possible. The service of government is to uh, pave roads and to remove the trash and to remove the snow and to create public safety and to create an overall structure of an organized society. And outside of that, we live in a capitalist society where if you work hard, you get ahead. And if you sit on the couch and eat Cheetos and watch Oprah, well, then you sit on the couch and eat Cheetos and watch Oprah. And that's what you achieve. So uh, everybody is the product of their hard work. And there's a, there are legislators out there who believe that they are um, economic Robin Hoods. The better somebody does, uh, the more that the government is entitled to. And that's not the way that I plan to uh, represent the district. I think people are entitled to their hard-earned money. I think that um, we need to do more to help people with the cost of living. We need to change the tax structure here in Rhode Island. What do I mean by that? Sales tax, got to lower it. Gas tax, you got to lower it. We have to make sure that we don't have 43% increases in our electric bills ever again. These are the things that you can do... To help people each and every day I can make all kinds of promises Roger I can say well I'm going to make Medicine cheaper And uh, well how, you, how, how, am I, how is John Brien, As a representative from District 49 Going to do that uh, I'm going to secure Medicare Okay How am I going to secure a federal program How am I personally Going to do that I'm not um, Watch out for campaign promises That are lofty And empty, whereas I can make certain promises that are that are real. And that is I'm going to work every day to try to lessen the burden on my constituents lives so that they can live day to day and have more money of their own money in their pocket. And I think that's ultimately what you want. You want to advocate for the city of Woonsocket. You want to make sure that Woonsocket is being fairly dealt with in the General Assembly. You want to make sure that as a school department and for school funding, that the education formula is being distributed fairly and evenly and taking into account the real things that affect an urban community like the city of Woonsocket. You want to put the state in state representative. And you want to make sure that the state isn't going so left out of control that... We don't even look like Rhode Island anymore. You know, we don't want to make Rhode Island into California because look what's going on there. You know, it's a serious job, and it takes serious, uh, serious solutions.
0: So you gave me the flexibility to ask you any question I wanted to, uh, as opposed to all these other interviews that are usually, like, for instance, uh, scripted, uh, like when Mr. Dusselblatt was here, he was reading just off a script that he had pre-prepared. So you gave me the flexibility. So if anybody in Rhode Island votes for a candidate about abortion, they don't realize that abortion is all codified in Rhode Island, and, and, and basically abo- whatever you uh, it is about abortion, you like or dislike, it's, it's part of the law. Correct. So my question to you is, um, on the campaign trail, uh, to me, the 38 Studios debate, mm-hmm. uh, uh, I squared that away in my mind a long, long time ago when it happened. Some other people might, might have taken a, a longer time. And yet, every mailer that's out there uh, that uh, Mr. Dusablon sends out or his union friends send out refers to it. I'm wondering, does anybody, like abortion, does anybody, like, say, this is the big thing I want to talk to you about, Mr. Brian? Uh-huh. No. Or, uh, yeah, I didn't think so. Nobody. Nobody, right. nobody
3: wants to talk so about why that. why do they
0: stick with that? They, they, they think that if they keep putting that phrase, 38 Studios, in a mailer, that you're a bad guy?
3: Uh, here's the thing, Roger. Whether it's Uh, This election in District 49, whether you see it on uh, TV every single night, they think you're stupid. And that's the reality. Mm -hmm. They think you're stupid. And they treat you like you're stupid. When there are candidates whose goal it is to try to trick you into voting for them, that's not a good candidate. When a candidate will tell you, look, this is who I am. These are my pluses. These are my shortcomings. You know, I have led this life in which I have, you know, been one person. Now I'm another. You know, um, the rear view is smaller than the windshield for a reason. And this is what I plan to do. That's a candidate of substance. The lies, the misleading statements... It's all meant to try to trick you. Just like they say, uh, there there are commercials out there that say, well, this candidate's going to take away a woman's right to choose. No, they're not. Abortion is codified into state law. It's not going anywhere. Now, the big issue that is going to come up in the next um, session is should there be taxpayer-funded abortion? That's the next battle in the state of Rhode Island, because unfortunately we have a law passed by some legislators and supported, I don't know why, that will allow abortion in the state of Rhode Island, like right up until the point of birth. It's abhorrent, it's evil, it's wrong. But the next battle will be taxpayer-funded abortion. And I stand before you, the listeners, before you, Mr. Bouchard, and say, I'll never support that. Because that's not what the taxpayers should be spending their money on. Um, so we got into that question only because you brought that up. That's an issue out there that nobody's bringing up with me. 38 Studios is not an issue that anyone's bringing up with me. And you know why? For good reason. Because I had nothing to do with it. We passed a small business loan guarantee program, 66 to 1 in the House. In the Senate, it was unanimous. We were trying to help small business in 2010- get them out of where they are the recession that the state was in in the market crash so when my opponent makes it seem like that's a bad thing when my opponent advocates for businesses to have 19 dollars an hour minimum wage it's clear that not only is he special interest in union owned but he's anti-small business too and that's an issue i'm not that so look this is the last time i'm going to be here and i'm grateful for the time I just want to say you've got a real choice here and you've got someone who will choose to mislead and someone who will have a negative campaign and someone who will refuse to debate. Or you've got someone like me who has run a positive campaign, who isn't union owned, who's self-funded a campaign, who really uh, is out there and will tell you the truth, good or bad, and someone that will work for you and someone that's not beholden to anybody. And one thing I can tell you at the doors right now, you tell someone you're an independent and they want to talk to you because they're tired of the nonsense and the political bickering in the Hatfields and McCoys. And I offer an opportunity to represent people, the people only, and not the parties, not the personalities, not the nonsense, just me. So, Roger, thank you for the time. I humbly ask for... Your listeners vote on November 8th, early voting mail ballots, whatever it is. And uh, I'll still be door-knocking over the next uh, few days. I hope so. I can't can't wait until uh, November 8th. Hooker by crook, I think all the candidates can't wait. So thanks a lot, Roger.
0: Thank you, John Brien. Paid for, friends of John Brien. All right, we're almost done. The Upfront program, let's check in with uh,
4: John Ward. Yeah, he's here. Uh, We're going to have an announcement from him. This is Woonsocket City Councilman John Ward. Contrary to the headlines and rhetoric, the current city council, including Jim Knoyer, Dan Gendrin, Roger Gillette, and I have worked on several initiatives with the administration. Buying new public works equipment, funding street paving, blight removal, tax stabilization to attract new business, planning for the best use of federal rescue plan funds, and, at my invitation, the mayor joined with other communities to successfully solicit bids for the LED streetlights currently being installed. We are working to make Woonsocket a better place to live. My experience serving Winsocket and as finance director in Lincoln have prepared me well to continue serving on the Winsocket City Council, and I hope you agree. So whether by mail or voting early at City Hall or waiting for November the 8th, please vote for John Ward to once again serve you on the Winsocket City Council. Thank
5: you. Paid for, friends of John Ward.